You're listening to Yoga Crush, the podcast that offers chakra-spinning insights and winning strategies from inspiring yogis who've managed to create a thriving and crush-worthy yoga career. Here to help guide you on your yoga journey, your host and fellow yogipreneur, Suzanne Moscovich. You ready to flow? Hey, yogis, I'm Suzanne. Thank you for tuning in to this very special farewell episode. Why am I calling this a farewell episode? Well, for those of you who have been following the podcast for a while and are subscribed to my mailing list, you received an email a little while back letting you know that I'll be taking some time off from the podcast for the foreseeable future as I prepare to welcome a baby into this world. And I feel really strongly about taking this time off from producing content to really focus in on this transition into motherhood. So this episode is coming a little bit later than I had promised, but of course, better late than never. At this point, I can't actually say what the future of Yoga Crush will look like. I see so much love and potential in this community and part of my personal mission is really still to make sure that the amazing yoga teachers out there just like you can flourish while making a sustainable and rewarding run at things. So that's the intention that's been set and put out into the universe and we'll all get to witness together how things transpire And so with that said, I do want to encourage each and every one of you to go back into the archives of this podcast, whether it's via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or even my personal website, yogacrush.co, and make sure that you download any episodes that you didn't get a chance to listen to, or perhaps any episodes that you might want to revisit. At this moment, it actually costs me each month to host this content in all these multiple platforms. So on August 24th, all the episodes will be taken down. So now is the time to grab this free content as a resource that you can revisit whenever you need it. And this also goes for my free guide, The Four Pillars of a Thriving and Sustainable Yoga Career and the Yoga Crush Mantra Festo, both of which are available for free on my website, yogacrush.co. All right, now for today's episode, I am so excited to say that I have truly left the best for last. All right, let's do this. Celeste Pereira is a London-based yoga instructor and author of the book, The Yoga Mentor, Everything I Wish I Knew When I Started Teaching Yoga. In the span of a few short years, Celeste has ramped up her yoga career massively. She runs fully booked classes in top yoga studios. She has become a brand ambassador for international companies. She's being flown to exotic locations around the world to teach yoga workshops and privates. She's leveraged passive income through online video downloads, and she has grown her online following specifically via YouTube to over 21,000 subscribers. Plus, she's pretty much the most bubbly and inspiring person on this planet. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Celeste, welcome to Yoga Crush. Thanks, Suzanne. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. I got to tell you the story of how this came to be. So I got an email from Lauren, who's now a mutual friend of ours. Yes. And I get a lot of emails through my website of people requesting that I interview their yoga crushes. And more often than not, I sort of put their names on a list and I'm quite ahead of schedule in my recording. So I sort of put their names on a list. And when it comes time to, you know, creating my content schedule and reaching out to people for interviews, I sort of review the list and I go over the people. And if the person speaks to me, I'll reach out to them. But I, you know, in order to feel that I'm really authentic while doing this, they have to resonate with me too. Otherwise, I feel kind of weird calling them a yoga crush. (laughs) And so I get this email from Lauren don't know her, never met her before. I think she described you as sunshine embodied. <laughs> and I thought I that, love her. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And she told me what you were up to. And I immediately went online. And the great thing was that you had so much content up there that I could just 
absorb it all and get a real sense of who you were and what you had to offer. And I was instantly like, yes, we have to get her on the show because you have done so much in a short period of time and you have so much to offer. So I'm so excited to have you here and I'm so excited to now call you my yoga crush. Oh, listen, I can't thank you enough for having me on here. Um, actually, Lauren called me going, uh, Sal, I just want to check with you if this is okay that I've done this. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, girl. I'm like totally excited about the fact that you've done this. That's awesome. I was literally doing a little dance in the middle of London <laughs> streets when she called me. But yeah, I can't thank you enough because really what a great opportunity for me to be interviewed by you guys. You guys are doing such amazing things out in the yoga world and you're definitely making a huge impact in the lives of yoga teachers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we've got lots to talk about today, but to start us off, I'd love if you could take us back in time and talk to us about when you completed your first ever yoga teacher training. What were the very first steps that you took to pursue a career in yoga? Well, I did my teacher training in India 2009, um, and when I, I'd done some more travel after that, and I started my teacher training in 2000, I started my teaching career in 2010, but um, very much it wasn't really the plan because I actually wanted to be a physiotherapist. I had done my degree and with my student loan, I had gone traveling um, and among the travels was going to India to do my teacher training. Um, but when I came back to London, I, I all the kind of graduate jobs had been snapped up while I'd been traveling. And so I was really struggling to get work. And so I thought, okay, I've done a teacher training for fun. Why don't I just for fun just to get a little bit of pocket money, teach a few yoga classes. So what I just did initially was I started reaching out to the yoga teachers that I knew. And I think that that was the very first thing that got me started because when they sent me cover work, I snapped it up. And when I went to do that, I actually just absolutely loved it. I was like, wow, what a great thing to do as a job each and every day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the very first thing I did. I connected with other people and then I just covered every single class under the sun. Mm. And I know this is a big jump, but how did that then evolve into where you are today, which is, and we're going to cover all the things that you're up to, but <laughs> in a nutshell, how did you go from, you know, subbing classes to being the top yoga teacher in London in some of the top studios, offering retreats and workshops and being flown out to exotic locations. Talk to us about how that all came to be. Wow. Yeah, that is a huge jump because actually when I first started, I just, I didn't really care so much about making a career out of it. Um, I, I felt just like, you know what, like this is a great vehicle for me to advance myself spiritually. I was meditating and I was going to the Hare Krishna temple and I was really fulfilled and so happy about that. But I think the biggest wake up call kind of hit me in the face when a friend said to me, Sal, I'm going to go to this business course. Why don't you just join me and come and hang out with me and, you know, just see what it's all about. I was like, yeah, I'm, you know me, I'm always, I'm a yes person. So whatever <laughs> that comes, I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I went along to this business course and I sat there and this guy started talking about you know, you really do have to make provision for your future because no one in a shining white, no one in shining armor on a white horse is going to come along and help you out when it's time to retire. Or if you're self-employed and you don't have sick leave, what happens if you go to hospital? And he just provoked a lot of thought in my mind. And suddenly I was thinking, oh, wow, like, mm. I'm not really looking at the bigger picture. And that really inspired me. I was like, I am going to start working hard and making a sustainable business out of my passion. Um, because by then I thought, ah, oh, physiotherapy, that's not as much fun as teaching yoga. <laughs> but but I was working so much. I was literally teaching every other day and it, it didn't feel like, hang on, can I actually make this work as a as a full-time career. And when he said all of that, I was like, you know what, there has to be a way because there's other people doing it. So why can't that be me? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, just a lot of hard work later, here I am. <laughs> wow. I don't think a lot of yoga teachers necessarily have that epiphany about turning it into a business until they've sort of hit rock bottom, until they've been struggling and they're like, it's sort of do or die type of thing. 
what steps did you take to really get smart about getting really serious about your career and turning it into a viable business? Well, I think a really good book that I read was um, a book called uh, Key Person of Influence. And the guy who wrote this book basically breaks down how anybody who has a passion, like we have yoga, can actually create it into a sustainable business. And, you know, I am one of those people... I don't just devour information like lots of books and lots of courses. I don't I don't just go through information. If if I read a book, I will go away and I will study that book and I will implement every single bullet point in it to death. Um, And so his book, although it was a very thin, small, little, tiny book, he gave a few key steps in there. And I just followed every single one. Um, I actually had a little book that I had, a little notebook that I wrote in um, alongside reading it. And I just made plan after plan after plan. And, you know, bear in mind, a lot of the stuff I did was actually not very good idea. Like a lot of it bombed and (laughs) didn't work out very well, but it doesn't matter because the stuff I did well, obviously helped to progress me. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I could give, um, a book, which I think would really help yoga teachers out is that book called key person of influence. Mm. I love what you said about not devouring information. And I want to touch on this for a second because I think that a lot of yoga teachers trick themselves into thinking that absorbing all of these courses and all of these books and all of this content is them doing the actual work, is them doing the self-study, when in reality, we've actually haven't put any of it into practice and we just keep learning more and consuming more. How have you managed to get around all of that? I had no money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and honestly, like when I, like people often come to me and go, Oh, what's the best teacher training, Celeste? What's the best teacher training you can do now? I think that there are some amazing teachers. I don't know exactly who they are out there, but I think there are some people out there that have made amazing teacher trainings. And there are some people out there that have just got like the bog standard bread and butter teacher trainings, which are going to get you your piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And often what I tell people is like, you know what? I think the best thing you can do is just get any teacher training you can afford and then just teach, teach and teach and teach and teach. Because the thing that's going to make you amazing is the practice of teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what happened with me is I I could only afford the cheapest teacher training. I mean, listen to this. It cost me 500 pounds and it included, yeah, it included my books, my travel, my books, my accommodation, all the teacher (laughs) training equipment, um, literally all my food like the, the whole thing, the accommodation, <laughs> and it was a whole month. And so I came back thinking, okay, that, that just helped me out because I had so little. And then after that, I didn't have money for workshops or anything else. I mean, I was buying books, but I, I couldn't just keep doing book after book after book. If I had one book, I really had to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I had to work on that book because I didn't have money to get another one. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that was my saving grace. And now often I tell people, you know what, if you are going to read something or do something, just really put effort in to implementing it as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting because as yoga teachers, a lot of us are just naturally, we're seekers, right? We're curious. We want to keep knowing more and more, but you're right. I think putting it into action is the greatest teaching that you can give yourself. I'm curious to hear, you've built like this incredible following for yourself online via YouTube, via social media. And I see a lot of yoga teachers try to utilize these platforms, specifically YouTube, as a way to grow their brand and their business. And nine times out of 10, their channel, it just falls flat. So I'd love if you can break down for our listeners how you've managed to grow a very loyal following for yourself through these channels, why you chose YouTube specifically, and maybe go into what it takes to create a successful YouTube channel, what it takes to create a successful production, producing that quality content that really represents your unique brand of yoga. Okay. Um, I would say that when I was first, when I first had that realization, I was telling you about that, that guide, the business course, course inspired, I, I went online like anybody would. And I started researching, okay, like who's out there? What are they doing? Um, and how can I really tap into 
a big, the bigger picture. And what I noticed, I, you know, you start Googling and you people like Tara Styles and Tiffany Crookshank and Keenan McGregor are popping up and they are so amazing and they're so inspiring. But also I did feel a bit like, wow, how am I ever going to get to that level? Like I just, it just seemed like such a huge leap, but I, I'm the kind of person as well. Like if, if there's a will, there's a way, okay, these people are doing it. I'll film some videos. And so I set up a tripod and I got a friend round and he hit record and then we edited it <laughs> t- together and I put up one video and then I just let it sit there. And then a month later, I put up another video and I just let it sit there. And these two people once came to my class and I didn't know who they were and they were a husband and wife team. And they were so lovely. They had a really good energy. They came a couple of times. And then they basically, I didn't hear from them again until one day I got an email from the husband. His name is Alex Icon. And he said, hey, Sal, I just wanted you to know that Mimi and I absolutely loved <laughs> your class. Um, we we actually run YouTube and we saw you do YouTube as well. And, you know, we've done really well. Mimi actually has a th- uh, 1.5 million subscribers on her channel. And we'd love to mentor you on a channel. And I'm like... Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) So they sat me down and they were like, you know, it's very cute what you're doing, but you're doing it all wrong. (laughs) And I was like, "Eh, ouch. Okay. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And so they shared with me what I'm going to tell you and your listeners, um, four steps and it's called QVCA. And how Alex described it is normally you have people who sell on TV and it's the TV channel QVC, but he created his acronym QVCA, which teaches you that you don't have to sell anything to anyone. You just have to be creating content and you'll see amazing things happen in your business. So do you want me to go through the acronym with you guys? Oh yes, please. Okay. So you touched on this already, but he said the very first thing you've got to do, Celeste, you've got to create quality content. And that means create content that's beautiful to look at, that doesn't have to be TV production quality, doesn't have to have like multiple camera angles or, you know, some kind of crazy filters, but it's got a brightness to it. And you can really hear every word you say because the sound quality is good with a great microphone. And you know, there's natural light and it's just, there's something bright and happy about your content and it's quality. And I was like, okay, like scribbling it down in my book while he's talking. (laughs) The second thing he said is you've always got to add value. And he said that this really goes into every single business in the whole world. Like if you're not adding value in some type of way, you just don't have a business because otherwise, why would people need to buy or subscribe, or why would they need to be involved with you in any way, shape, or form? Um, The third one that he mentioned was the hardest for most of us, especially me, um, is consistency. And this is, I think, what he wanted to touch on. He's like, at the moment, Celeste, you're like launching a video once a month or maybe once every three months. It's it's just not enough for a platform like YouTube. You have to be releasing content weekly. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I, honestly, Suzanne, I can't tell you how hard that was. And actually, just recently, um, you know, like it was Christmas and December and everyone's like out having fun. And I was like, I just don't want to do it this month. I just don't want to release a video. To be honest, I still let this one slip. And he said like something like Instagram, you should be posting one to three times a day Mm -hmm. to grow. I'm like, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I was kind of born into the generation where we're just not used to our cell phones as much as maybe like kids are in their twenties these days. These kids are just so inspiring because it's not that they're even addicted to their phones. They just know when to pick it up, when's a good moment to capture and how Mm. can they present it to the world in a way that people will devour that information. I am not part of this clang Mm. (laughs) the side of the road, which kind of goes, Oh, where is my phone? I don't even know where I put it. And so then by then the moment is lost. So the consistency was definitely something I had to work on. Um, yeah, go on. I want to speak to that because it's something. So when I started Yoga Crush, I was adamant about the consistency. I knew that that's what I needed to build a loyal audience so that people would check back and know that there's something there for them. And the adding value part was really, really important to me. And if you're familiar with Kate Northrup's work, she always says, if money is a stand-in for what we value, then the more we create things of value, the more money we attract. And I've always known that to be true. 
But in terms of consistency, when we are creating such valuable content, it takes a lot of energy. And so to do it consistently, I feel you. I took a break from the podcast through December and I was terrified that people would lose interest. And so, so, (laughs) but I knew that it was a break that I needed because it takes a lot of energy to put valuable content out there to produce that content. And it requires a certain level of enthusiasm. And if I can't bring that enthusiasm to the work, then I don't necessarily feel that it's so valuable. So all of this to say, how do you get around that? Because creating this type of stuff consistently is is draining and time consuming. And it sort of makes you feel like a bit of a slave to your audience if you feel that you can never take a break from it. Yeah, it's hard. You know, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it, but you have to be incredibly disciplined. You do have to do it when you don't want to do it as well, because, you know, I, I felt inspired by my, what my mom always said. She's like, Sal, you're always going to have things about every job you don't like. That's life. You know, you're not good. There's no perfect job out there. And um, the, the example I give in my book actually was if you have to take like a famous singer, like Enrique Iglesias is going <laughs> to sing the love song that he always sings. And I can't remember the name right now. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I will be your hero. You know the one. <laughs> so bless him. You know, she said, if he sings that song, every time he sings it, he's got to make it as if it's the very first time he's singing it. Mm-hmm. And he might not want to sing that song that day, but he gets up there and he does it anyway. I always think of what my mom said. And, you know, some days I'm like, I don't even care. I'm not doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But honestly, the people who are consistent are really the people that are growing. And I think it's one of the reasons, I know, you know, you're very kind to say that, oh, Celeste, you got this fantastic following. I'm actually growing very, very slowly. And it's because my consistency isn't really where it could be. I feel like if I up my game on the consistency, then yeah, I think I would be growing so much faster. Right now, that just didn't feel like a priority because I've got so many other things I'm working on. Mm -hmm. But I think, and I guess that's the advice I want to give as well um, from my experience is just have a balance with it. Do your best, you know, but don't let it stress you out because I did and it really drained me and I had, I actually had health problems off the back of freaking out about consistency. So Mm. just like chill, like it's all good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that our true followers are very forgiving around that. And I think it's really a matter of communication, like just saying, Hey guys, I'm going to take a break from this for a while. There's all this other stuff for you guys to catch up on and I'll be back on X date. And that just keeps the loyalty smooth. I think. Definitely. I know that you were saying that you're growing quite slowly and because you're doing it in a sustainable way. I'm curious to hear how this has influenced your business. Why do you keep producing content? What is it doing for you as a yoga teacher and as a leader and as a brand? I'm so glad you're asking me this, Suzanne, because you know what? I just wanted to say that actually, even though I'm growing so slowly and I, you know, in terms of the internet, I don't actually have a very big following. People will, you know, some people might look at that and go, oh, wow, 17,000 people. That's so amazing. Like that's massive. But really, if you look at the grand scheme of the internet, that's a tiny, tiny proportion. (laughs) And actually, this is what I want to really inspire people with is you don't actually need a lot of people to make your dreams in your business come true. Because I'm doing so good. I've got like a passive revenue that I'm earning. I have, um, I get flown all over the world to teach workshops. Um, I was lucky enough, Dylan Werner asked me to assist him through his workshops in Asia. I've had I've had corporate companies fly me to ski destinations to teach there. Anyway, my point being, I'm going to like not talk too much more about this. <laughs> the point is you don't need a huge following to do amazingly well. You can actually, you can have a small following and all the things that you feel passionate about can really happen in your life and your career. Um, and I just want to actually share the last one of the QVCA. Yeah, please. Can I go on to that? For okay. Sure. The last one I also struggled with, uh, the last one is authenticity. And I struggled with this one actually in a range of different ways. Authenticity for some people, they just are themselves. Me, I'm like a bit of a sponge, probably because I'm a natural performer. And so I really take on whatever's around me. And so I like, I told you, I went on YouTube and I was looking at what other people were doing and I was like, oh, this person's acting ridiculous. Maybe I should act ridiculous or, (laughs) oh, this person's super Zen. Maybe I should be super Zen. And I even did this in my classes. It was such a big fail because it really meant that nobody came back to my class ever. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so, and it's still sometimes, um, I don't know, I, I think I just need to sometimes stop and go, Sal, who are you? Like, yeah, you are bubbly and you are chatty and you speak fast and loud and just <laughs> be those things when you're teaching your class or whether you're on YouTube whatever, just do those things. Like I had so many people go, Celeste, you need to speak more slowly. But then when I speak slowly, I just sound so weird. <laughs> and so I decided, nah, do you know what? I don't even care. I'm just going to speak fast. And whoever wants to be part of my tribe, because I am who I am, that's great. Because then they're going to be probably more loyal in the long run. Mm-hmm. How did you build your confidence? I know you said that you were a, a natural performer, but it can take a lot to get up in front of a camera and put it out there. And I know a lot of yoga teachers who are terrified of doing that and putting themselves out there in that way. What do you do to kind of get comfortable teaching in front of the camera? And what kind of gives you the confidence to really pursue this medium? Um, it's very, very challenging. Um, I think there, one one practical tip which I can give people is there are really great confidence hypnosis CDs out there. And this sounds like a really crazy thing to do. But, you know, when I first started teaching, I would get so scared. I, I would have so much anxiety before every class. And I started every single day listening to a confidence CD. The one I listen to, if anyone's interested, is a, by a guy named Paul McKenna. And I just listened to it every single day without fail. And it's so weird because I kind of slept through most of it every single time. But slowly I started seeing a change. And I was like, I wonder if it's the confidence hypnosis. I I didn't want to be like naive and go, oh, it's definitely that. Um, I want because maybe it was more me just getting better at my craft. But one day I just sat and I listened to what he was saying without lying down and falling asleep. And he said things that I'd noticed I was doing in my day-to-day life. And it'll sound super cheesy, but bear with me. I would like look at myself in the mirror and just go, oh, Sel, I love you. (laughs) I love that. It's cute, right? And he was like, this is something that you should do. Like he's saying this in the hypnosis. And I'm like, oh my God, I've started doing that. That is so (laughs) crazy. (laughs) And so I'd say as a practical tip, that's definitely one. But number two is you just have to get used to the criticism and you kind of just have to suck it up. Mm. It's just one of those things. You're going to have people out there that are going to say mean things to you. And if you're not prepared to absorb that and just let it wash over you and not let it affect you, then it, it'll be really hard to do our job because we're opening ourselves up to criticism, whether we're on camera or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. I once had someone say to me, creators don't criticize. And I thought that was so powerful because, you know, the people who are going out there to criticize with the intention of really criticizing in a negative way, they're typically not people who are creating content in and of themselves. And so I think that's important to keep in mind when we're trying to kind of not take those things personally or let them bounce off us or roll off our back. It's just know that just putting yourself out there in that way is something really, really important. And that those who have done it themselves know how difficult it is and know how inspirational it can be and aren't there to criticize you. So definitely. They're not in the arena, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now, You touched on this. You recently wrote a book called The Yoga Mentor, Everything I Wish I Knew When I Started Teaching Yoga. And I love this. And I want to just dive right into it with you. So could you start by giving our listeners a taste of what your book has to offer by telling us the top three things that you wish you knew when you started teaching yoga? Um, I would say that when I first started teaching I think I tried, like I said, I mean, touching back on the whole authentic, authenticity um, topic, I really, I had started off with an Ashtanga background, which I really loved. And I really wanted to be like my yoga teacher because I loved her so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I started realizing that I have all this wealth of experience and knowledge that I'm not delivering. Um, so for example, you know, I did dance since I was very little and I had so much knowledge from my physiotherapy degree. Um, and also I'm someone who is naturally a lot more bouncy and chatty and those three things combined. I wish I actually just right from the start 
did that more. I wish I just talked about biomechanics and and anatomy a lot. And I wish I would spoke in my loud, crazy way and like, you know, did my crazy <laughs> music. And, and because I'd done a dance background, actually tapped into the awesome um creativity that my that my um dance background had lent itself in sequencing as opposed to just sticking to the Ashtanga series Mm -hmm. I think I should have just been more creative and I think the second thing really and it's just planning like taking time to sit down and actually plan what am I teaching this week and how does that fit into a theme? How can I use my knowledge but make it digestible for people? And how is that going to fit into the sequence? Because now I know a lot of people teach on the fly and they are amazing at it. I, I'm someone who needs to sit down and I create a plan. And I'll be honest, I don't stick to it rigidly. Like if I walk in and no one's going to like feel the jam, then I've got to adapt and change. But I would say that having that plan I don't know. I feel like it's made me a really great yoga teacher. And it's, I would say this, the content that I'm producing now is of a much higher value. The classes that I'm doing are, are consistently busy because I'm always giving people something new to offer. And it's so funny because actually now when I look back on my old content and I can see the lack of preparation, I'm like, <laughs> I wish this isn't out there. But that's one of the things about the internet is, yeah, you've got to kind of just suck it up. Once it's out there, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the third thing is right from the beginning, um, I didn't have that thought process of how can I make it sustainable. And so I launched myself into full-time teaching and I I literally burnt out. And um, I touched upon me kind of stressing about consistency affecting my health, but really I was just stressed about everything. I was just working so hard and I think I wasn't giving myself the time to recharge and get ideas and inspiration. And I think if I had to just give one tip out there is just chill, take breaks, rest, work hard, but also play hard. Take, take time to rejuvenate before you have to go out there and do your thing again. Yeah. So what did you put into place once you realized that that wasn't sustainable other than that element of self care, what did you put into your business model to start making it more sustainable? Well, you know, you and I had a little chat uh, briefly before we started recording and you spoke all about people just learning how to charge what they're worth. And this mm-hmm. was something that you really noticed being out in the yoga community. And I would say that's oh, just so, I'm so passionate about that. I'm lucky. And like you were saying, you know, you'd come from a, a marketing background. So you kind of got this right from the start that people weren't doing this. Um, I was, I never had that, but what I did have was a mum who right from the <laughs> word go was always, I could see she was always self-employed herself, but I could see how as a child I'd watch her, how she dealt with people and money. And she was always like, no, that's not good enough. Like I deserve this. She'd always put her foot mm. down for what she thought she was worth. And you know, that bit of magic rubbed off on me. So when I started teaching, I I was really aware that you can only teach so many classes in one week and you need this much money to survive. But you also want to have a savings because, you know, we don't have sick pay if we get unwell or we don't have holiday pay if we take a break. So how can I add to that um, that need and how can I then meet the demands of savings or investments or just to create a bit of a nest egg? Because we want to live a lucrative life. We don't just want to be like stuck in a crappy place, like doing horrible mm-hmm. things all the time. We want to do cool things. Like we work hard for our money. And um, so definitely learning how to charge more. And I read a lot of books around negotiation to make that possible. Mm. Um, then I also started looking into things like products. And this is like this another big thing I wish most people would do is just think, how can I create something that'll earn me money? Even when I'm not there, how can I make money while I'm sleeping? And so if they can create something like a video that they put out there, or maybe an article that they can sell, um, that has sponsorship, um, or do events that, um, they've created something that can then be sold at, or I don't know, just creatively thinking about what your skill set is and then how can you create products off the back of that? Mm -hmm. That's something that I stress a lot with yoga teachers is how can you repurpose your existing content so that it can be used over and over and over again. And you just get paid each time it's used, each time it's bought, but you're not recreating it. 
And that, and that's really the concept behind residual income, right? And, and much of what you've created in putting your training videos online with some video streaming sites and services. Yeah. I mean, um, I have been so, so lucky because I've got Yoga Download, Udaya, um, Grokka, and these are all amazing platforms that are just continuously feeding me a little bit of cash into my bank account every month from one time that I put lots of work in. I did the planning, I did the shooting, we did the editing. It's out there now. And then every month you just get that little bit of extra money coming into your account. And it's like, it just kind of takes the edge off because often Mm -hmm. we're like, oh no, it's been December. All my clients were away. Um, I did one workshop. I decided to go on holiday and I came back and I was like, oh, this is good. (laughs) Feeling the pinch after all the Christmas presents. And and then, um, and then it was so nice because I had launched my book and my online downloads paid a bit of money. And then I was like, oh, I've got a bit of breathing money. But without that, honestly, I don't know how yoga teachers do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something you said prior to this about negotiations. You said you read a lot of negotiation books and that helped you to really raise your rate. Could you maybe walk us through one or two negotiation tactics that you've used that have been really helpful for you in doing in raising your rate? Uh, okay, this is all my secrets coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is everybody will pay more for something that's scarce. So if you're very available all the time, it just shows that you have a lot of time and maybe people don't value won't value that as much. Mm -hmm. And because I was in the beginnings, I just was so burnt out and just working way too much. When I read this book called Influence by Robert Cialdini, he said, when he said this about the scarcity and how people will pay more for something that's rare or valuable because there's not a lot of it, I just started saying, I have no time. I'm really sorry. I have no time. And you could see people like being like, but, but, but I need my session. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? Like, and I'll just be like, you know, I just, I'm really sorry. And all new people would come to me going, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a private with you. And you go, do you know, I just, I will have to see, cause I, I just don't have time. Um, and then I would write back and go, you know, I can do it, but it's this much. (laughs) And I'm not saying it worked every time, Suzanne, like that would just be a big lie. But on the few times that it did, what it helped to do was just bump up my my earnings a little bit. And then I would go uh, about once a year, I'd review what I'm earning and I'd go to my clients or my classes and I'd go, guys, you know, this is what I'm going to charge now. And I would be really nice about it. Like if someone couldn't afford that or for whatever reason. And I love teaching them. Of course, I would keep things the same for them because I care about them and I want to keep teaching them. But if I felt like actually there was an opportunity for growth, I would really, I had the, I had to dig in to find the courage to ask for that lift in my income. Mm. And you know what? Almost every single time people say, yes, that's okay. Uh, Especially when you raise your prices. So I would say the very first thing was like becoming a little bit more scarce in what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. And then when you do get new people or, or I, for example, had a recently a company ask me to write an article about what yoga poses can help back pain. And I did put a lot of time into it. And I, and I was thinking about my quotation for this. And I thought, you know what? People can always negotiate you down, but it's very hard to negotiate up once you've given your price. In fact, that's pretty much unheard of. So be cheeky, like ask for something a little bit ridiculous because all that will happen is maybe they'll go, Oh no, no, that's way too much. And then you go, Oh, no worries. If that's too much, I can do it for this much. But if you've gone low right from the beginning, it's going to be so hard. So uh, yeah, I mean, I was pretty aggressive with my fees and they they turned around and said, yes. And I didn't even have to do anything. And I was like, wow. Um, and I'm trying to think of another good one. Oh, and the third one, the third one, um, I had a yoga, a guy who owns a yoga center in London call me very, very good with words, ex lawyer. You know, he, <laughs> he's a tough one. He's a tough one to deal with, with something like this. And he called me up saying, oh, Celeste, you know, we're desperate for more classes of you on our timetable. And I just said, do you know what? I would love to teach more for your studio, but I just don't feel like what I'm earning currently reflects the value that I deliver for your studio. Mm. I don't, and then I just started naming all the things that I do, which is so much bigger than, than just turning up for my classes. I said, you know, I turn up really early for my classes and I always 
seek to create an environment where people can come to me before and after every session. So I, I'm spending time. I also organize events um, like we have dinners after the class so that we all connect as a community, which means you're going to get regulars coming back because they're going to be seeing their friends. And I also put a lot of time into planning my classes. So every single class has got something very special that I'm delivering. So I feel like based on those facts, I deserve to be charging this much. And if you can match that, I will definitely take on more classes. And uh, that was tough, huh? It was tough for me to do. I was shaking while I was doing it. I sound all clever and like super smart now with you. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, blah, 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 blah. But honestly, while I was doing it, my heart was pounding. I was shaking. Um, But yeah, it worked. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things I just wanted to distill from that. And one of the things you said is sort of coming off a, a little bit like your, your time is scarce and that having an effect. One of the things that I was told when I was looking to raise my rates was don't be afraid for people to say no because it's better that they say no because it's too expensive than for them to say no to something that's cheap, right? Because then that way they're saying no to you. This way they're saying no to the price. And if it's really valuable to someone they will find a way to afford it. And I thought that that was such incredible advice and very much in line with what you're saying. Like, don't be afraid to to say, I don't have the time for this and maybe let them sit with that for a little bit to decide what's valuable to them. And also, no is the start of the negotiation. Exactly. No, it's not them closing the door on you and going, oh, you know what? Like we can't, we can't deal with each other. No is your opportunity to go in then and go, hey, what about this? Could this work for you? How can we meet each other halfway? What's the bridge? Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. definitely not the end. <laughs> Absolutely. So good. Oh, so good. <laughs> you and I are like geeking out majorly right now. <laughs> We're I like, know. oh my God. <laughs> I wanted to keep going. I could go on this topic for so long. Maybe we'll do a I complete- want to interview you on this topic. I want to learn your secrets. I would love to share them. Well, one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that you 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 don't have a marketing background, but you did see an example of all of these things happening in your household with your with your mother being sort of the driving force of charging your worth, etc. I know a lot of yoga teachers who really resist investing in learning these skills and these tactics to grow their business. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you developed your marketing sense and your business sense and why this has been an important leg for your business? Um, it was, you know, it was just books and a couple of courses that I took. Um, I, I, like I said, realized I needed to make it more of a sustainable business thing. And so I kind of went to people that I could see were doing well. And I'll be honest, I didn't have the opportunity to connect with a lot of yoga people in the industry because I don't know, yoga people can be a little bit secretive sometimes about mm-hmm. the, the good stuff they're doing. I don't know why. I'm like, I want to tell everyone the things I do. <laughs> everyone to do good too. And I really do genuinely feel like there's enough work for all of us out there. So I went to people out of the yoga industry and I was just like, so, you know, like I was lucky enough, Alex and Mimi, um, who have huge YouTube channel, they approached me. But I decided to go to other people in other fields as well. And I was kind of quizzing them. And very often they would recommend books. And then, like I said, at the start of the podcast, I would just read the book and then I would pick out as much as I could that I feel I could do. And then I would just do that thing to death. And some stuff worked super good and some stuff was just a complete zero. But it's it's okay because all the effort that you put in, you're learning so much from that effort. And so even if you're not getting something for a particular action, trust that actually it was time well spent. Mm-hmm. Good point. Excellent point. I'd love to hear like two to three tools or strategies you've used or put forth that have had the most impact on driving your career forward in such a short period of time. Um, so I would say uh, investing in social media was essential. Um, I would say every single business is going to do well if it starts to innovate and if it has a marketing plan. So innovation is going to be your thing 
that you do, your message, your style, and then how are you going to get people aware of it? Um, so I'm someone who loves to teach biomechanics mixed in with a very cool, very weird sequence. Um, and there's going to be some banging tunes to back that up. How can I translate? How am I going to create a product out of that? How is that going to be a part of my class? And then how is people going to get to know about that stuff? Um, and then I would, yeah, that's where I guess social media has just been so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I connected with brands, um, brands that are already established. And I was so lucky actually because um, when Lululemon was just coming into the London market and they had their little showrooms popping up, I was lucky enough to be introduced to the team and they were just such nice people. And I was lucky, I was, I felt I just want to be friends with these people because they're so nice. And so organically a friendship formed. And off of the back of that, I had the opportunity to do so many amazing things. And obviously a huge company like that, if they're behind you, they're going to give you that little boost, which you need when you're just starting. If you don't know lots of people in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people are afraid to go out and ask to be introduced or to just reach out to a brand or a company that they'd like to align themselves with. But I think it's so important because it's rare that somebody comes to you. I mean, the whole Alex and Mimi thing, I've been following them for years. Thank and you. the fact, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they just approached you, like that's they very did. rare. And they're such good friends of mine now. I absolutely love them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go see them tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. They, they've done tremendous things for themselves and for their business. And, but like I said, it's rare that they just sort of approach you. So being willing to just, to just put yourself out there and ask or, or ask someone for a connection or just show up to a pop-up shop and say, Hey, so important, um, important. Sorry strategy. to cut you off. Yeah. Suzanne, but you know what? I just remembered there was this amazing guy I once watched. Um, it was, I can't remember his full name. His name was Bo something or other. He decided he was this like football guy, but then he hurt himself and he couldn't be, he couldn't do football anymore. And so he decided he wants to become an actor. And he thought, oh, do you know, I've got no experience in being an actor. I don't know what to do. He goes, I'm going to write to El Pacino and I'm going to ask <laughs> El Pacino to mentor me. Dude, can you imagine? Wrote to El Pacino. Oh, Guess who goodness. wrote back? Oh my goodness. Guess what he said to El Pacino he's like El how many people have asked you to mentor them he said nobody you're wow. the first he asks anybody stuff and I was thinking back in my career like I obviously I'm still small and I'm still growing but the few people that have asked me for help or guidance I always said yes I always said yes and I always sat with them and I always gave whatever I could. And then um, I actually reached out for my book to a few different people. Okay, a lot of people said no. <laughs> I should be honest <laughs> about that. But the cool thing, so many cool things came from the people who said yes. Like I mean, I'm friends with uh, the Queen Irene, who is just such a beautiful <laughs> human being. And then um, Dylan Werner actually hired me to be his assistant through his um, workshops in Asia, wow. which was a huge Cool, the coolest trip ever literally we went through five four countries in asia together and he taught me so much and he's like a brother to me now like we're such good friends oh. and it's all because i asked i just said hey i'm writing this book i'd love to interview you for it would you mind and he was like hell girl of course and then he <laughs> said do you know like do you need any help with like getting your career to blossom a bit more and i was like do you know, I think things are going pretty good, but you know, um, I'd love to teach more internationally. And he said, why don't you assist me? And I'm like, uh, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's all because I asked. So, I mean, be open to a no, but then a no just puts you back where you started, right? Like it's not going to close the door completely. Or opens the negotiation. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes. <laughs> Well, something you actually mentioned in your book, which I loved, is you said that you're by no means a finished product. And I that like warmed my heart because it just goes to show that we're all growing and learning and, and walking this path together. What do you feel you still need to learn on your path as a yoga teacher? And what are you struggling with right now as you continue to make a name for yourself in this industry? Um, I would say I'm still struggling with 
I know you were really nice and you said, oh, Celeste, you're growing, you're doing so well, your social media. But I would say I'm actually growing very, very slowly. And I would like to tap into the amazing people around me I'm so inspired by and just look at what they're doing to grow more quickly. And I don't want to grow quickly because I want to be this famous yoga teacher, like, you know, world renowned, but mostly just so that I could tap into what you were talking about. And that is making a business that's sustainable because I love teaching and I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to have to work as a receptionist or work part-time in a shop or in a studio. I, I just want to teach and I want to teach the I wanted love to do more workshops all over the world. And I'm so lucky because even with my small following, I am doing that. But to put it to maybe branch out and reach new heights with that would be really amazing. Mm -hmm. And then physical practice. Oh, man, that list is endless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a that's a bottomless pit, <laughs> a rabbit hole. <laughs> And, you know, again, I look at the people around me, they can do such amazing things. I'm like, wow, I want to do that so bad. And, um, you know, sometimes people look at yoga teachers and they think you were born you just coming out of your mother's womb in tree pose. By the time you were two, you were doing pro pose and it's nothing could be further from the truth. Like every single thing I could do, I had to work so hard for every single thing. I was not a nat didn't naturally take to stuff. So when I'm seeing people go into press handstand, guys, I've been practicing press handstand for like 10 years and still uh, my feet are not coming off that floor. They're like <laughs> to the ground, but it's okay. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm still going to go for it. I'm still going to work hard at it. Cause I do feel like some, like the type of teacher I am, it would be really, really good for me to get to get better at my physical practice because it's the kind of thing I love teaching a and B. I feel like when you can do certain things in your physical practice that inspire people, it really does help to grow your social media channels. Mm, interesting. Well, something that I ask all my yoga crushes is how many revenue streams have you secured for yourself? Can you sort of tally them up for us and let us know how these income streams, what they consist of and how they support you in your yoga career? So I have, I think, eight. Wow. Wow. I think I have eight income streams, but if I'm totally honest about how a business is run, a business works when you are not there. And so how many? One, two, three, four, five, six of those income streams need me present to, to basically be, yeah, I would say maybe, actually I have nine income streams. I'm sorry. No worries, I would, yeah. Yeah, I would say um, six of those, I need to be present to be earning money from them. And so I don't look at that so much as, a, I look at that as a job, a great job that mm -hmm. earns me multiple streams. And business is more like a product. And so I have my book and my online downloads. Um, and those two are really great for earning me the passive revenue, which creates that business, sustainable business thing. Um, and then outside of that, you've got privates and corporates, um, classes, events, workshops, retreats. And I think those are most, those are the ones that you classically see among yoga teachers. And of course, like the sky's the limit um, in terms of what could you charge if you have a client that's willing to fly you around the world and pay you crazy mm -hmm. money definitely can be this lucrative side to that. But generally, there's a ceiling effect, I would say, for most people. And generally, there's only so many hours in a week that you can dedicate to teaching. And that's where, um, like what you're talking about, multiple streams is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I love the way you differentiated a business and a job. I think that's an amazing way of looking at it. And it's not that one's better than the other. But sustainability, I think, comes from a business. And mm -hmm. Therefore, it requires the diverse revenue streams and the passive revenue streams so that it's not relying on your time for dollars. Totally. That like FaceTime, if you can get rid of FaceTime, but you're still earning money, like that is really, that's so powerful. And the, the sense of 
confidence that that gives you, you can, you become so much more like you take such bigger risks in your business because you're like, you, you don't have to stress about that food money coming in every month. Mm-hmm. And you also get to clear away things that no longer serve you. You know, if there's, if there's a client or a class that's just draining you to have that extra source of money coming in that you're essentially bringing in while you sleep just affords you the ability to clear the path of things that no longer serve and welcome in more of the things that you enjoy. I love that you said that because there are so many times when you're like, oh, you know, this class at like 630 in the morning, I'm just exhausted doing it. Why am I doing this? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, we are about to enter my favorite part of the show. This is the three minute flow round. So we are going to flow through a series of questions over the course of three minutes or less. Are you ready to flow? I am ready to flow. (laughs) (laughs) So the first question, which you sort of answered before, what non-yoga related book should every yoga teacher read and why? Can I give another one? Yeah, please. Okay. I'm going to choose The Chimp Paradox by Dr. Steve Peters, I think, wrote it. And I love this book because often as yoga teachers... We're always giving great advice to everyone else, but actually if we can learn how to control our own brain, it's really useful. And the chimp paradox teaches you in a very simple way that you've got one part of your brain, which is more like your animal primitive brain and your human brain is the other side of it and how to get your human brain to be in charge. Ah, I love it. (laughs) I really recommend it. It's a super (laughs) cute book. I love, I love this book. (laughs) At the start of your journey, what held you back from being the successful yoga crush that you are today? Stressing out too much and not being myself. I would say those two. I, uh, if I could just take a big old time machine and go back, I would stop those two things. What is the best business advice that you ever received? Create a product. Mm. create something and sell it. (laughs) And don't be scared if it doesn't work. (laughs) Create another product if it doesn't work. What personal habit contributes most to your success? Uh, Persistence. Mm. Uh, Even, uh, yeah, sometimes it's not the smartest people who do well. It's the people who stick in it the longest. Mm. I'm definitely don't have a very high IQ person. I'm very dyslexic, (laughs) struggled at school. But boy, oh boy, I'm in it (laughs) to the end. Mm. Can you share an internet resource that has helped you in your business? Uh, That's a tricky one. Um, I just use the notes app on my phone a lot. Is that that allowed? Can I say that? Absolutely. Yeah. I write everything. I write my classes in there, my to-do lists, my workshops. Everything goes into the notes. If anything ever happened to my notes folder, I would probably (laughs) have a heart attack. (laughs) My notes folder is like my life right now. (laughs) What is your personal mantra that keeps you grounded in times of doubt? Even Even if you can just help one person, then you've made a difference. So even if you taught like a crap class that day and you're just like, oh, I wish the earth would swallow me whole because (laughs) I'm so rubbish. (laughs) Even if there was just one moment that you said something could have made someone's day better then you've been a success. Imagine that you've woken up in an alternate universe identical to earth, except you know absolutely no one. All your basic needs are taken care of. You have all the same experiences and skill sets, but you have no relationships, no connections, and no social media followers. What are the first steps that you take towards pursuing a successful yoga career? Wow, this is such a good question. (laughs) Okay, so I would, uh, kind of the stuff I've been talking about, I'd plan, planning, 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 A, your goals, B, your classes, C, whose classes you're going to take, uh, whatever, just plan, plan out things and you don't have to stick to it, but create one anyway, connect with the community, go out there, make friends with everybody, like just get to know other people and help them and support them. And, uh, just be there because the process of reciprocation is very powerful in humans and they will be there for you if you need it. And if they're not, that's okay. You've learned something from that experience, but connect with as many people as you can, even like the receptionists at like yoga studios um, and then create a product. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> a yoga crush is an inspiring and innovative individual who has built a thriving, meaningful, and sustainable yoga career. Based on this definition, who is your ultimate yoga crush? Oh, my friend Dylan. Dylan <laughs> He's so amazing. And you know what the thing about Dylan is? I Before I became friends with him, I was looking at his stuff going, this guy, honestly, no one is doing the movements that he's doing. I think he's just so inspiring. But then I actually got to know him and he sat down and he was so great at just kind of teaching me a little bit about the business aspect of stuff. He is so intelligent. He really has got his brain switched on to how, yeah, the finer things of the business side of yoga. And uh, he just approaches everything just with a really big vision. This guy thinks massive. And I really (laughs) appreciated being in his company because sometimes I think small. And then when I'm around people like him, it just totally changes my perspective. Mm, Definitely. You know, like who we surround ourselves with, that, that definitely has an effect on what we put forth. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Celeste, for taking the time to share with us. Before we say goodbye, let our listeners know where they can go to connect with you. Oh, um, Suzanne, thank you so much. Uh, the website is celestepereira.com and I'm Celeste Pereira Yoga on Instagram. And yeah, if you guys connect with me on there, it'd just be such a big honor to do it digitally but if I ever did get to meet you guys please come and give me a hug I absolutely love meeting you guys that are out there um my favorite thing in this whole world is people and I think that's why I love my job so much is because I just get to be around people all day long so thank you Suzanne you're such an amazing interviewer thank you Uh, I just enjoyed this so much and I really wish you the best of luck with your product that you're releasing thank you thank you so much And there you have it. Thank you as always for tuning in. And I'll take this time to give a special shout out to all the loyal listeners who have followed the podcast since day one, as well as all the amazing yoga crushes who have taken the time to be interviewed and to appear on the podcast. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping spread the yoga crush mission far and wide. And together, let's keep crushing it.